How do, how do? It is Monday, May 11th. Time for another Come On Now MMA podcast. And I'm going to jump into the Bloody Elbow um, article that discusses the, as the headline reads, controversial UFC 249 waiver explained. If you were paying attention on Saturday and Sunday, there was a lot of talk of uh, a waiver that was circulated to, um, I believe, all participants at UFC 249. And um, as the story here says, uh, it would allow the UFC to revoke fighter purses if they criticize the promotion's health protocols. And goes on to say, follow-up reports also noted that signees include not only fighters, but also the event staff and media in attendance at UFC 249, and none of them can sue if they contract COVID-19. So Saturday and Sunday, uh, I believe Steven Espinoza of Showtime was the first one to bring this to public light. There had been talk... um, behind the scenes about this waiver or set of waivers and then most of Sunday most of a lot of Saturday night and a lot of Sunday there was little pieces leaking out um, and it made it very difficult to get a good grasp on exactly what was in this document Uh, Bloody Elbow has um, I think a pretty good um, summation of the of the document and it, they go through it here. Um, uh, John Nash and Jason Cruz go through it. And so I want to discuss a little bit about what, what they found because uh, I think it's pretty important that it be brought to light and that it stays um, in focus for a while, quite a while because... My gut tells me that this was signed since this was signed at UFC 249, and it relates to COVID-19. I think that once the pandemic ends, uh, my opinion is that this is going to stick around in some form for the foreseeable future for the UFC and quote unquote event participants, which will include staff, and most importantly, MMA media. So that's my opinion that I think it'll stick around because it was signed, and and that opinion is based on the fact that it was signed this time. So there's nothing really preventing them, the UFC that is, to um, keep this waiver, quote-unquote waiver, um, as part of its event uh, protocol. So... I would like to. I would hope I'm wrong, but I. Um, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna be. But again, hopefully I am. I tend to take a pessimistic view of things when it comes to the UFC and its desire to control things, and that's mostly what this, my opinion, is based on. Because we know the UFC, you know, likes to control things. So underneath the heading of representations and warranties of the participant on the waiver, it basically says that uh, the participant 
hasn't tested positive for COVID-19, hasn't been knowingly in contact with anyone that tested positive or has experienced symptoms, and that's fine. That is, I, I think that that should be in these, uh, these waivers right now because you don't want someone uh, entering the facility who has, or you want to at least be aware of these, these things when someone enters the hotel or the fight area, um, maybe because you're going to have to um, quarantine them until their tests come back, um, maybe because you don't want them to travel to the event, depending on who it is and the exposure that they've had. Um, so the, the, those first two things are safety, safety uh, protocol, and, and um, I believe they should be in there. Uh, this last thing I have some questions on, and that is, quote, no person with whom the participant expects to come into contact during the four weeks following the event date has or will have any underlying medical conditions or other issue that puts such a person, such person at greater risk. Um, uh, absent a self-quarantine for four weeks, that is difficult, that's a difficult ask for, uh, for someone, for a participant, quote unquote. So, um, and this is what, um, it was said here by Jason Cruz. The language in section 1D suggests that a participant not come into contact with someone that may have con contracted COVID-19 four weeks post-event. This would be hard to enforce and hard to assess considering that it would require the participant to determine who may or may not have the virus. Notably, it does not suggest that the participant quote self-quarantine post-event, although this part in the contract essentially infers this. Um, so that's, that's puzzling to me. Um, you are, maybe it's because the UFC, uh, the participant thing in this maybe it's because the UFC has no real authority over these people I don't know I'm not a, a lawyer I'm gonna I did ask uh, Jason Cruz to um, try and why it doesn't just come out and say um, self-quarantine for two to four weeks in this case four weeks um, and maybe that's because it could the UFC could do that with its um, employees it might be able to do that with the fighters who are independent contractors, but that again would be, um, I would question that because they are independent contractors and this might, you know, be an ask that leans towards um, employment. The media, the UFC has no, um, as far as I'm, I, as far as I know, the UFC can't ask the, the media to do this because the media don't work for them in in uh, any way, shape, or form, unless it's a UFC.com uh, media member or a uh, UFC commentator. But someone from a non-UFC-owned website or newspaper, the UFC has no real, as far as I know, doesn't have any real recourse to... Um, limit them in any way uh, I, 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 maybe Jason Cruz can um, clue me in a little more on that or John Nash but you know that's my that's just what I think but it would make sense so it's puzzling that they would uh, that they would have that in there and look at that he Jason got back to me 
My question was, any reason the UFC waiver would infer self-quarantine but not just state self-quarantine? And his answer is yes, if it states in the contract it's compulsory and would need to be defined, which I believe would create headaches, it could also be considered additional consideration for their pay. So there's the answer. Um, but yeah, like, like Jason says here, it's difficult for someone to be fully aware and cognizant of um, the medical and health status of everyone they're going to come in contact with for a four-week four week post-fight period, especially if they're getting on a plane right after the event. You don't know who, who these people are in the plane. So real difficult. Um, be interesting to see how that could be um, enforced in a, in a court of law. Another thing it says here is the uh, agreement specifically makes the signing participants liable for the costs of, um, this is a quote, costs of any and all medical treatment or disability and other all other costs associated with the symptoms, harms, the carrier risk, and all other harms, risk, dangers, and injuries associated with COVID-19, unquote. Um, so if you get sick, you're on the hook. Financially, you're on the hook for that. Um, as this story also points out, the good side is that um, everyone that if they get sick is on the hook for that. So um, it sounds like they will not have a, any recourse um, on a personal level um, to uh, get um, money from from individuals. So that's that part's good, I guess. And here we go with the no representations by the company. Quote, the participant acknowledges and agrees that no representations or warranties of any kind whatsoever have been or will be made by the participant by the, made to the participant by the company, including but not limited to regarding the testing of other participants, attendees, and or service providers or sanitizing protocols being used in connection with the activities or the accommodations. What this says um, that the per the story here is that the participants agree to the testing and regulations, but the UFC also is making no guarantee that everyone will be tested. Um, I don't like that one bit. I, if I was heading into this event as a, in any, in any uh, respect, fighter, corner, media member, production crew, I would want everyone tested um, that can be tested. Everyone, everyone in that in, in working the event should be tested. And I've been beating this drum since day one. That includes the guy who turns on the lights before the facility, before anyone else steps into the facility. All the way through the, the guy or gal who locks it up at the end of the, at the, uh, end of the event after everything's been cleaned up um so me if you're not guaranteeing me that everyone be, will be tested multiple times throughout the uh, fight week i'm not signing anything and i'm probably not going to the event either uh, on to assumption of risk the quote, the participant acknowledges and agrees that the participant is responsible for maintaining health insurance and any other insurance policies necessary, necessary to cover any harm that the participant may suffer or cause other people to suffer. 
in connection with COVID-19 and without limiting the foregoing. The participant acknowledges and agrees that the company will not provide the participant with access to any health, medical, or other insurance policies of the company or any third party. This section seems a little fishy. It seems uh, to say that if someone gets COVID-19 or gives someone COVID-19 at the event that the UFC is not going to uh, have an insurance policy for that, which strikes me as odd. Um, we know that fighters have injury uh, insurance policies during uh, fight um, camps and fight preparation, but uh, the illness section on that has always been something that I've questioned, um, and I believe Nate Quarry said that, if I remember correctly, that uh, the fight camp insurance policies, policies have steep deductibles and they only cover injury, so this is not an injury. Um, so that's the way this is worried, um, worded is worrisome. And again, I reached out for, for Cruz and um, Nash to get a little um, more clarity on this one. Also in the assumption of risk section, it says the participant acknowledges and understands that the company has not tested any of the participants, attendees, service providers, and or any other individuals who will be present at the activities for antibodies or active infections associated with COVID-19. Um, yeah. That, let that sink in. Um, and what the Bloody Elbow folks wrote here, it says, the UFC clearly states that they are not testing participants. Since we know that they are, this is likely here to offer them legal protection and to make participants aware that they're, that they should have no expectations that anyone will have been tested. Um, again, this is a little puzzling. It might be legalese to, uh, like it says in, in the Bloody Elbow story, legalese to get the UFC off the hook if someone does test positive or if someone is not tested um, either by design or by accident. But again... Um, just the wording in there is enough to make me worry that I'm not going to be tested and um, I might I might not sign this and I might not travel to the event. Um, so yeah, another another worrying section. Liability waiver and release section is. Um, it's something to behold, and it says, quote, um, any injury, illness, damage, loss, or harm, unquote, to any individual's property or their, quote, death or disability, whether in connection with COVID-19 or otherwise, resulting or arising out of, of or in any way related to the participants' preparation for, travel for, participation, and appearance in, provision of services at and or attendance at the event. Participants also expressly waives any and all rights and benefits conferred by the provisions of Section 1542 of the California Civil Code. Um, again, very worrying if I'm attending this event. Probably enough 
to get me to not sign this waiver. And because it says that I don't have the right to sue the UFC if I get sick, if I come home and anyone in my family gets sick. Um, and I don't, I don't like that. Um, we saw um, during the event, people were in and out of the hotel. People were not wearing masks. Um, they had a suspicion that maybe Jacare Souza, who uh, they had a suspicion that he was uh, COVID-19 positive. They tested him. He turned out to be COVID-19 positive. And we saw him um, at the weigh-in. We saw him at the face-off. We saw him in the hotel standing almost well within a six-foot distance of Fabricio Verdum. So all of that is reason enough to make me question the robustness of the UFC's controls. Um, I expect that will get better going on. I also expect that there will be more controls and pressure put on pressures put on the fighters and their camps to be less visible on social media at these events. So it's very worrying to me um, that the controls are not as strong as they could be or should be. Um, there's a confidentially confidentiality section to the uh, to the waiver, and it says here it's very thorough, um, so that no outside parties are allowed to see the terms of the agreement. Uh, it says participants shall not disclose to any third party any information with respect to the terms and provisions of this agreement. Now that is uh, a little frightening. Because there is no reason to have a confidentiality agreement in a um, for the media or for anyone, um, outs anyone really, um, outside of UFC employees. Um, you can make a UFC employee sign this. Um, a media member should not sign this. An independent contractor should not sign this. Um, but... Both uh, are being asked to were be, were asked to sign us, and I am going to assume that others for the rest of the week are also are also going to be asked to sign us. Um, but why not? What are you hiding? Is going to be the question when you have when you whenever you have a confidentiality uh, uh, clause in anything, um, you might not be hiding anything, but the suspicion will be there, and that suspicion will be there because these fight cards are being held during the middle of a global pandemic. Or you might say near the end of a global pandemic. Regardless, there's a global pandemic and these events are being held and there's a confidentiality waiver. So, of course, the question is, what's being hidden? And now we are on to the non-disparagement part of the waiver. And... This is the most concerning part for me, especially when it comes to the media. And it says, quote, um, the, 
will not suggest or communicate to any person or entity that the activities have been or will be held without appropriate health, safety, or other precautions, whether relating to COVID-19 or otherwise. If the participant is a fighter, um, participant acknowledges and agrees that in the event that the participant breaches this paragraph 7, the company may revoke all or any part of any prize monies or awards won by the participant in connection with the activities, including but not limited to purses, win bonuses, other fight-related bonuses, and event-based merchandise royalties. So um, this is what will silence whistleblowers, um, whether it be media or fighters. So if um, someone sees... Now, Dana White has said that this doesn't include true statements. Fine. But Dana White is not a lawyer. And also, if even if that is true, even if this only includes false statements, this is clearly um, an, another... Uh, pressure point the UFC will press on for the media. We know the UFC pressures. We know Dana White cajoles media to do his bidding. Um, if there's any kind of fear in, in a media member's head who attends these events, they are, they're going to err on the side of caution, I believe, and not piss off the UFC. Because if you piss off the UFC, as we have seen, as I have seen, as others have seen, you lose your credentials, you lose your access, and the UFC won't even answer simple questions for from you. That's fine for some people. For a a person that um, is a you know does the video or audio for these events. That's a big risk um, if they lose that access, especially, you know, audio-video folks, if they lose that access, that's going to hurt their site, that's going to hurt their income, that's going to hurt their site's ad revenue, so they can't really risk that. And I understand that from a, uh employment point of view that some folks are going to be put in a very difficult situation here especially if they see things that they normally would or should report on. Um, I'm, I'm never signing an NDA from someone who is not my employer, especially if I'm um, a, a journalist or a media member. That's me. It's not everybody. And fine. I would hope that every media member... Um, would not agree to an NDA from the UFC. Um, the only people I think I can really understand doing this are the video and the audio folks because that is their livelihood. And the reality uh, for them is they are usually off-camera talent anyway for the most part. And so they're there to shoot for the journalists. So... Um, audio and, and visual, audio and, and video folks, um, I think, fall into a little different category here if they are strictly audio and video and not on-camera talent. But again, I don't sign this because it's too risky. If I speak up, 
maybe all of a sudden that that promise from Dana White that they're not going to um, hit, hit you if you only speak the truth, that maybe that falls apart. Um, and my and I'll I'll use myself as an example. The reason I lost my credentials at the time, or at least was threatened to lose my credentials, was because I reported that the ratings for an, an event were low, um, lower than than usual, um, and that was a factual report. The ratings were lower, um, and I was threatened. So. You can't you can't make me believe that the UFC wouldn't wouldn't go after somebody who even if they did report something that was true because they went after me for reporting something that was true. So um, it's been done. Um, Josh Gross, same thing. He reported something that was true. The UFC didn't like it, but he was doing his job as a journalist and. He's been on the outside ever since. So, do I trust Dana White's... Oh, that's only if you say something that isn't true? Absolutely not. So, the closing part here is um, from Jason Cruz, and he says, The overall waiver essentially insulates Zufa from liability, as it does with most of its contracts. However, this waiver is unusual considering the unknown factors surrounding contracting COVID-19. Reading the language of the waiver, it suggests that the athletes cannot sue Zufa and that Zufa is not responsible for paying for any costs if an athlete contracts COVID-19 during the event. So yeah, yeah, the idea that White said when he was ranting and raving about Steven Espinoza that these clauses are in every contract, um... I don't think that's true because these waivers specifically say COVID-19. So unless Dana White's Nostradamus and he knew that, you know, this was going to be an an issue, a global pandemic was going to happen in 2020 and he knew exactly when and knew that, you know, the name and everything, then he got it thrown into every contract. So... This is not in every contract. It might be in every contract from this point on, but it wasn't in every contract before um, these events or maybe the the Brazil event that went on without a crowd in March. Maybe with that, it was these things were in that contract. But to try and uh, say that these are these things are in every contract, that I don't see how that claim can be made. So. Maybe there are similar things, but I would I would find it hard to believe that they were that those things are this in depth when it comes to uh, UFC contracts. So it's going to be a very interesting thing to see how this plays out. Um, I would be very interested if a member of the media reported something negative on the uh, protocol. Um, we know that the controls are were not in place uh, robustly for the first event. We don't know what's going to happen for the second event. So maybe the, uh, the that could happen. Someone could actually step up and say, hey, here's what I saw. Um, here's what an epidemiologist recommended. And here's the gap. So 
we'll see. I would hope that that could happen, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, I'm really not going to hold my breath. So this was a very, very good article. Um, did a good job of putting everything in into uh, one place, and it's it was published um, May 11th, and it is called Controversial UFC 249 Waiver Explained, and it is on Bloody Elbow, and you should definitely check it out. I'm going to finish up um, with a brief little thing here on uh, Dana White's claims on TMZ that other sports um, leagues and are reaching out to him about the UFC's way they uh, pulled off UFC 249 on Saturday. I don't... Um, that might be true, but they're not going to be able to do what White um, did. Um, and he does actually mention this in the interview um, because when it comes to the UFC... White makes that decision. When it comes to uh, NBA, MLB, NHL, um, NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, um, the commissioner might start that conversation, but without the union, nothing happens. So if the union looks at the safety program and doesn't like it um, they can they can say no we're not going to we don't like this 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 and this needs to change and then it becomes a negotiation there is no negotiation in the UFC and so uh, that's why um, it was so easy for the UFC to do this all it needed was a commission and a location and Dana White to say yes and cross his fingers that ESPN and Disney didn't step in and say no. Um, that all happened on Saturday. And it's going to happen again on Wednesday. And the fighters have no say in that. Their only say is to um, say no, and then they don't get paid. So um, maybe some fighters can do that. Most can't. So uh, it's really not the same situation. It's not even close to the same situation. So it's nice to, you know, say that they're going to, re that they're reaching out um, and maybe they'll be able to take small pieces, but, but they can't just, these leagues can't just say, we're going to start um, on this day, you're all going to be there, we're going to test you, you know, we got this figured out. That's not happening in any other um, sports league that has a union. And that is um, reason 1,497 that the UFC um, fighters should do their best to get a collective bargaining agreement. They have no say. Um, their only say is to say no to a fight, and then their contract gets extended. So not only do they not get paid, their contract gets added on. So it's where's the uh, where's the ability to fight to uh, get better pay get more rights that's not there so um, yeah it's a it's disappointing the amount of power that one person has in this sport 
I will wrap it up. I wanted to discuss some things, um, but I, uh, but um, as far as women and men go in the MMA media sphere, I guess that's going to have to wait till tomorrow. I do want to get into that. Um, I think it's important. Um, I need a lot of time to think about it, so I don't say something, um, you know, misrepresent what I'm I'm trying to say. I have an idea of what I want to say, but uh, things can go awry pretty quickly when you're um, just talking off the top of your head, so I don't really want to do that in this case. So probably tomorrow for that. Definitely this week. It's coming. Until tomorrow, though, stay safe.